so much going on, so many things to learn about, a couple of updates, mainly Canada and what's going on with this trucker convoy and just feeling super encouraged around that, super grateful to be an American, super grateful to be a lover of Jesus, but a couple of other weird headlines. Let's talk about it. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey, hey, guys. Oh, my goodness. I wish I could have picked one thing to center around today, but there is just so much going on all the live long day that I just have a couple of things that I want to talk to you guys about today. And I'm squeezing this in from my hotel room in Austin, Texas, in the beautiful free country of Texas, even Austin, which I mostly expected to be not like the rest of Texas, that's the word on the street, you know, it's pretty much like the rest of Texas, and I'm grateful to hear that, and it kind of goes in line with what I'm going to talk to you guys about today, which is some kind of quirky little things to keep our eyes on, preparing long-term for this inflationary climate that we're in, and an update on what is happening in Canada and this shifting narrative around COVID that continues to shift and crumble and exit the building, basically. Like literally at this um, meeting I was at today, you know, there's apparently some sort of citywide mask mandate still happening in Austin. Of course, you would not know that from being in Austin because I have yet to see more than just a small handful of masks here and there. Um, even on, you know, as I come into my hotel hotel lobby and all of the places I kind of expected to see some mask signage, really didn't see it. Even staff not really wearing masks. So that is just great news, especially considering that this is an area where there is a mandate, apparently. Um, that's funny. But at the meeting we were at, we had already been given, you know, some, some uh, warning ahead of time that there was a mask mandate and that we were all expected to be in compliance with that. And of course... of people were just absolutely not in compliance with that and there was not even an issue about it. But at one point we were told like, as we come across stage to receive recognition, you can take your mask off if you want. And then he kind of looked around and was like, but it seems that no one has one on, so never mind. And we all laughed because, you know, like we're done, we're done, we're over this. And there seems to be a movement around that, that that's not a... um, It's like a thing that's happening all across the great nation, except for maybe in schools. In schools, you know, if you follow the science, it's kind of like airport COVID. You know, you can get much more COVID in airports and airplanes, and certainly you can get much more COVID when you're six years old in your classroom, but you don't need to be as worried about getting COVID in the, you know, multi-thousand seat room I was just in, or, you know, at a restaurant when you're sitting down because six-foot-tall COVID is way more scary than three-foot-tall COVID. You know, stuff like this, always with the following of the science and all of the craziness, it would seem that the only place COVID is still scary is in our kids, in our kids' classroom, and on airplanes. And let me tell you, I flew to Austin. I did it. I know I flew again. I'm just trying to get back 
to a little bit of normal. And I know we're all having this sense of what is normal and are we allowed to go back to it? Are we allowed to start to do some of that? Some of you never left normal and that's awesome. Some of you never want to return to normal, also awesome. I don't know that normal will ever be the same. It's kind of like post-September 11th. Like you just still can't go to the gate of an airplane. You know, like there are certain things that I don't think we'll ever get back. But I am hopeful that we will see a turn back to the way things were before. Of course, you know, I'm always bringing the good news. Always bringing the good news on this podcast with uh, my prepping and, you know, inflation and the collapse of the dollar and all these real doomsday topics. And I do still think all that's real, but I'm constantly reminded that God is sovereign. He is sovereign over all of it. And what he says goes, the cross has the final say. So I just put my faith in that. And I know that whichever direction things go here, he's got it. He planned it. He authors it and he's prepared a way and it's for our good. So for until and if and when anything goes crazier than it is right now, I'm hoping that we can start to move back to normal. And I will say there was quite a few people on my plane this time that just didn't wear their mask at all for like long stretches as you know, when snack time came on the plane, people just took off their masks and like just sat at their seat with their mask off. Of course, I had mine below my chin the entire time. Um, and, uh, you know, just pushing back on, on this and, and, and really seeing that we're not the only ones that want to see these things go away if you are someone. And again, there is a whole movement to keep the masks that we're just being reckless and irresponsible ditching the masks, even though lots of studies are coming forth, even the FDA and the CDC talking about, well, not the CDC, let's say, but the FDA and even the New York Times are now coming out with you know, kind of research studies and talking about how the, and this is kind of a, an indirect quote that I just read just a few minutes ago, that it's hard to quantify. <laughs> it's hard to quantify what the effect that masks really had. We've already now seen through the studies that are coming out saying that the lockdowns had nil effect, zero, on stopping the spread. So let's not fall for that one again, folks. But now we're seeing the same sort of narrative coming forth with, you know, it seems that it's really hard to say if masks did or didn't do anything. And literally it said, you know, basically turns out, you know, aerosol droplets can actually get around the loose fitting cloth masks, which has always been what, you know, the conspiracy theory people have said is uh, surely this doesn't give me uh, protection. You know, if you see a... Uh, person actually working with, you know, airborne viruses, you see a person that has a hazmat suit on and oxygen tanks and all the things. So they don't have a, you know, bandana wrapped around their face. I'll tell you that much. So kind of hilarious. And, and, you know, I'm still wondering what's going on. My, my only thought is the left side of the political spectrum is recognizing that this is not a popular issue. This is not a winning issue. There is a smaller sect than maybe anyone realized that really champions these moves, these moves and these mandates, the masks and the, the vaxes and the lockdowns and all of that and masks on our kids in school. There's really quite a small fraction of people who are really championing those movements and they're very loud, I'll give you that much, but there's a whole big fraction of the, I've just gone along with it, but I really hate it fraction of the you know country. And then of course there's all of us loud mouths that are like, I don't care if you hate me, I'm not wearing my mask. 
Um, so I think that maybe the left is catching on to this in time for the midterm or the midterm elections, of course, or if this is just some sort of pivot in hopes of grabbing some, you know, gaining some ground in the midterms because all polls everywhere just show that this is, they're just going to be slaughtered, which of course is historically the way it goes. You know, when we have a democratic president elected, the midterms generally switch the other way and vice versa. If we have a Republican you know, elected as president, the midterms kind of go more left, you know, in terms of, of Congress and the Senate and all that. So historically, they're already stacked against, you know, the odds are stacked against the left, but just with the way that the 2020 election went down and the um, integrity issues we've talked about and been looking at, it does seem that there is way more momentum around these midterms than possibly ever before. I can't even honestly tell you if I've ever voted in a midterm, you know, I am sure I voted in a, in midterms that had to do with my local areas, but I don't know if I was really paying attention enough to care about midterms pre 2020. And I think I'm not the only one. I think there's going to be lots of people that come out for the midterms, and we really start to see a shift. And I think that again, the left is picking up on that. So we are seeing a little bit of this narrative shift around masking. Obviously, Nevada, my old stomping grounds, just dropped their mask mandates. Of course, they have an important election coming up here very soon. So possibly it had to do that with that. And I mean, literally just like one day you have masks and then the next day you have no masks. Like, I think we also didn't know how to like come out of this without looking like absolute fools. Like we needed them yesterday but today you're good. Like anytime we put a date on something, like we're going to be dropping the mask mandates February 12th. It's like, oh, okay, because after that day, something's different. You know, it goes along with just the absolute absurdity of any of this from the get-go. But I want to talk about Canada and give you a little bit of an update there because it seems that that's a little bit actually working and what is happening. And again, I'm still really surprised at how few people know that this is even happening and it just goes to show how much the media works as a mouthpiece and also a shield for the elites, for the political machine, for the medical establishment, you know, um, they're absolutely an arm of this, they're a mechanism of the whole picture. You know, we get our information, or at least we used to get our information from a, a few key sources, and now all of those sources are just absolutely Nobody, they're discredited. Nobody even buys it anymore. I mean, a lot of people still consume that information. I mean, I'm talking not just CNN and New York Times. I'm talking about Fox News and a lot of the other, you know, mainstream uh, media outlets and even the, you know, written news is really, really discredited. And I think a lot of people are awake to that now. And we're, we're seeing some of the same garbage come out of both, you know, the left and the right networks. And it's it's lame so you really have to dig to find out actual information and like i take for granted that i just uh, know things are happening and understand them and forget that like if you're not paying attention if you're not actually actively taking time in your day to go learn about it research it find the sources then you might not even know it's happening so there is still a trucker convoy happening in canada i wouldn't even necessarily say it's a convoy anymore because they were basically now parked in ottawa they've been joined by farm equipment and heavy machinery equipment like dump trucks and and excavators and all of these heavy heavy machineries um people on horseback like it's just hilarious all these different people that are joining the movement 
and specifically in Ottawa, but also in some certain key, it seems to me that all of the key crossing border crossings between US and Canada have been disrupted, if not entirely blocked by this movement. And we're starting to now see this spread into other countries globally, um, not, not the least of which the United States. We haven't seen a major movement here, but there is certainly lots of things getting organized and absolutely talk. And we're seeing that this is actually working. Now, again, to circle back to the media and the way that they're covering it, if they're covering it, which there's a lot of news that's just absolutely ignoring it or downplaying it or making it seem like it's a non-thing. But now that it's been going on for so long and Justin Trudeau has been forced to address it multiple times at this point, again, Justin Trudeau is the prime minister of Canada, our president, if you will, like the, the same type of authority. Um, it's starting to become hard to avoid knowing about. And like I mentioned on the last podcast about this, that we saw uh, GoFundMe essentially seize over $10 million. I think it, I said on the podcast that it was $7 million, but it had gotten up to $10 million. And GoFundMe froze those funds and said that because this, and this is their language, because this movement has now become an occupation, we are no longer going to allow the funds to flow through to the recipient of the campaign. And so they were going to take that $10 million and not refund it to the people who donated, but rather they were going to distribute those funds to valid charities that they decided (laughs) to distribute those funds to. Oh my goodness gracious, if anyone who can hear my voice ever uses, donates to, or sets up a a campaign with GoFundMe again, you know, it's one of those like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, don't even do it, like, don't even go there. I just, that is just so crazy. Now, of course, they did after the outrageous backlash and just the, just, I, I really think that companies like this do these things because they don't really know they think they're in the majority and they don't really know how unpopular a move like that actually is you know we again we've heard again and again that the term the silent majority the silent majority the majority of this country is actually more conservative than they are progressive and although that is shifting and i know that that is shifting i still believe that the people on on the far sides of either you know the far right or the far left are always the loudest and currently we're in a climate where the far left is very very loud and so it seems like there's more of them than there are and there's a cockiness that comes about and i saw a little bit of this in on my trip to miami just like it was interesting i won't go there for just personal reasons but i i recognize like when you think that you are in the majority or you go way out on a limb and then you find yourself out there by yourself. And I think that's what happened with GoFundMe is they went way out and they found themselves way out on a limb by themselves and had no choice but to backtrack and say that they would be refunding. And the last I heard, I hope this has changed, but that they were refunding anyone who requested a a refund. And the date was February 19th. So if you requested a refund by February 19th, you would get your donation back. But if you didn't, it seems that they would still have those funds and be able to distribute them wherever they wanted, which is just insane. So hopefully they just decided to give all the full refunds and go from there. In the meantime, a uh, a, um, 
crowdfunding website called Give, Send, Go, which is actually a Christian organization, has stepped up to the plate. And in a very short time, they had raised somewhere in the nine million, eight million, nine million range for the same purpose. And just in the last couple of days, a, um, a judge in Canada ordered that those funds also be frozen and not allowed to flow through to the recipients, which would be the trucker convoy. And Give, Send, Go very clearly released a message that said Canada has zero jurisdiction over what we do with our funds. Obviously, Give, Send, Go is an American company, so the recipients absolutely will be receiving the funds. So yay, Give, Send, Go. Yay for you integrity standing up against the man and the weapon of just insanity so that's kind of exciting so meanwhile back in Canada and the media circling back again to that all my tangents y'all so when the media is reporting on what's happening in Canada they're using very similar language to what we all experienced after January 6th these are all white supremacists. This is an insurrection. These people are overthrowing the government. Of course, if you know the movement, you know that none of those things are true. There's loads of people from all walks of life, minorities and the like, participating in this convoy. There's families and children. It is nonviolent. There have not been any reports of violence, even though they're saying it is a very violent occupation, et cetera, et cetera. All of the same garbage narrative that if that's all that you get, you probably have a very negative view and the media is very powerful. But we learned in one of my previous podcasts that the media is losing their grip on the, the narrative. They're not able to get as far reaching their information because they've been so discredited through this whole pandemic situation. They've been so obviously exposed as being so ridiculously biased and just spewing propaganda that isn't based in any kind of fact. So, um, this is the same, this is the same thing that's happening there. And we're seeing that podcasters, alternative media, Joe Rogan, uh, are actually having a further reach than even the mainstream media sources, which is just great and awesome. So I'm hopeful that more people actually know what's happening in the trucker convoy for real than are buying this whole white supremacist movement. But again, pride and ego is a slippery slope, and don't you think I don't know it for myself? Uh, my husband reminds me all the time, we don't know anything for sure. <laughs> and I'm like, true that. We can only, these are always my speculations, only what I re read and learn and understand. So take anything I say always with a grain of salt. Always do your own research. Always look into what I, I say and share. I know I have not been perfect on what I, what I share. It's just that um, I try to be humble. I pray over that all the time. I do recognize that I'm not always right. But I think that there is a, an opposite in the world as well. When you really go out on that limb and you're not willing to be humble and you're not willing to truly follow the science or truly understand that you could have been misled. And oftentimes, you guys, we have these opinions and it's not necessarily that, you know, it's it's so frequently because we've just been misled by people that we trust or, or authorities that we thought had our best interest at mind. Or in the case of the pandemic, fear has misled us so, so tremendously. And once you've been misled for so long, it's really, really hard to try to go back and say I was wrong. I mean, this is just human nature, guys, right? It's really hard to go back and say, okay, I, I maybe did rush into this jab or I maybe did 
you know, get ahead of myself with the masking and being mean to my friends or, you know, discontinuing these friendships or unfollowing or having an outburst at Thanksgiving or what have you. Perhaps that was a little bit far out and maybe I was wrong and maybe the other person had some valid points. Like, that's hard to do. That's hard to do for anybody. But I'm not seeing that humility kick in across the board, certainly seeing it in a lot of, in a lot of places. Absolutely. But I'm also seeing, uh, the ego tells us to double down. Right. And so for some of the people that I'm hearing are like, no, the convoy is absolutely led by white supremacist. I'm like, you're a person that's doubling down. You've been misled before. Now you're way out there on the misled game. You never went back to check and see if that was true. You never went back to really learn about the other side of the story or, you know, look at any other sources outside of what you deem is credible. And, you know, now you're, now you're way out there and okay, you're just continuing to be misled, but we are seeing that there is some traction despite all this. Now, some of the things that, uh, Justin Trudeau and, or some of the premiers, so there, the Canada is broken up into, uh, provinces and each province is kind of similar to a state in the United States. And they would have what's called a premier, which would be similar to like a governor of a state. And then of course you have Justin Trudeau. So there's, you know, kind of a similar structure in the way that we do things here in the United States. And some of either Justin Trudeau or some of these premiers have made things illegal, which I think are really hilarious, like supporting, going out to the interstate to support the convoy is a law can't do it you cannot go to the specifically cannot go to the interstate to support the convoy now you can go to the interstate and uh, protest the convoy that's not illegal but you cannot go to the interstate and support the convoy you cannot bring gas cans to the convoy this is a new law it is illegal to honk your horn in the city of ottawa these are new laws that have come up and I just laugh because it, to me, it's like a grasp at straws thing, right? Just like, okay. And again, going back, this is another moment of circling back. We're going to circle back to that. When GoFundMe said that they are not going to send the funds through because this has now become an occupation, I just want to like remind us of an occupation that we recently went through. It's kind of like when January 6th happened and that was a violent riot, but the whole summer of the race riots all throughout our country where cities were actually burned to the ground. That was a peaceful protest, you know, like this, this language that these, these events are so close together. It's really, it's really remarkable that we can use, like we can call riots a peaceful protest and then a non-riot an insurrection, like in the same year's time. And like, they expect us to just go with that flow. It's really just really crazy that, two events can happen so close together and be so very similar in a lot of ways and just be called and thought of in such different lights. Just wild. So I'm going to remind us all of Chaz uh, outside of Seattle. Um, Remember that occupation for, gosh, weeks and weeks that occupation went on and there was a number of campaigns that went through GoFundMe that they didn't have any issue with that occupation. It was actually called CHOP which was like a Capitol Hill occupational protest or something like that. I forget what the acronym stood for, but it was very much declared an occupation. They declared themselves a sovereign country in Chaz for weeks. And there was plenty of violence. There was actually, I think, two or three people killed in Chaz in that time. So again, we have that actual occupation where they're declaring it an occupation and GoFundMe has zero issue with that, 
But now Ottawa's happening where literally truckers are just parked there. They're not declaring any occupation. They're actually declaring it to be very peaceful. They're being very respectful of law enforcement. Absolutely don't, you know, not honking, not breaking the law of honking in Ottawa. And GoFundMe says that's an occupation and therefore they can't be the recipients. It's just, again, it's remarkable that we can have two things in such close proximity to one another and think of them so very differently because of the way the media feeds it to you, right? So again, we got to put on our critical thinking hats here and just remember what's going on. But is it working is the great question of this convoy and why it must be working for one, if it's spreading to other countries and if it's going to happen here in the United States, and I hope that it is, but yeah, we can actually see some measurable effect because six provinces in Canada have said that they will back off restrictions surrounding COVID. A lot of them are, are dropping the passport system, the COVID passports, um, masks, lockdowns, all of these restrictions in six provinces are actually, uh, as of now, we're only a couple weeks into this convoy and we're seeing actual tangible, you know, answers to the very thing that they're there to protest. They're not there because they're racist. They're there because they're pushing back against all of the mandates, specifically vaccine mandates, but it's kind of broadened to COVID restrictions. So we are seeing an actual tangible effect of a peaceful protest movement making a difference. And It brings me so much joy. And you guys, I really didn't know much about Canada. I still don't know much about Canada and what, how their structure of government is different than ours, but apparently they have what's called a charter of rights. They seem very similar to us, right? Like they're free. We're free. They're very, they're more socialistic. Sure. I talked about the nature of our history here in the United States, how we're just much more rebellious and just feisty. And you know, we have fought for our freedom more than one time. And Canada doesn't really have that that history, so they're not really those people in in that cultural sense. But I really didn't realize there's an, a key difference. They have a Charter of Rights, which is similar to our Bill of Rights. But the Constitution, and you guys do not take this for granted, really understand this and feel blessed by this. I just cannot, each and every day, I really think there was such a divine foresight in our forefathers. Were they perfect humans? No. They were not perfect humans. They were flawed. Just like the Bible says about Noah, he was righteous in his time. They were righteous in their time. Okay, I'll leave that there because that's a whole nother podcast. But they were not perfect men, but they had divine foresight to limit government, not give us rights. Like our Bill of Rights is not granted to us by our government. This is kind of a misunderstanding of that. Our rights are inalienable which means they're given to us by God. We already have them when we're born on earth, like the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness and the right to life. Like these are things that we automatically have because God is sovereign over us. We automatically have certain rights. They're unalienable, which means I cannot give it to you. I can't give you my rights. I can't surrender them. They're mine. And our Bill of Rights in the Constitution limits the government's ability to infringe on our naturally given rights. It's not the other way around. The Bill of Rights does not give us rights from our government. It protects our already given God-given rights from our government, okay? The Canadian Constitution or whatever it's called is different in that it is exactly the opposite. It is rights granted to the citizenry 
from the government and they have a charter of rights which is similar to our bill of rights but there is an asterisk attached to this charter of rights and that is that you can have these rights up until the point where the government sees that you shouldn't. I mean, obviously that's not the official language, but there is an article, you know, related to this charter of rights that basically says the government can suspend these rights at any point for any reason, which is again, they're given to you by your government. They're not given to you by God. It's a completely different way of looking at it. And now we can see how terribly that can be abused and how really tremendous our founding documents really are, how brilliant our forefathers were in, in just seeing. And again, they saw ahead because history repeats itself and they had just escaped tyranny themselves. They really understood what the, the flaws of a monarchy or the flaws of a tyranny, the flaws of a autocratic, authoritarian, singular person, singular point of authority how flawed that is and how easily that can be abused. And so they wanted to distribute and balance that power. And America is so brilliant because of it. Now, if we don't fight for it, we will lose it and we will be no better than Canada. If we get in the mindset that our rights are only given to us by our government, that we don't already have them, then we've lost it. We've already lost what has been just so generously given to us. So I am very encouraged by what's happening in Canada. I'm seeing the fruit of it. I'm really grateful that it has remained peaceful. I will say that literally before I turn this on, I just saw a video of some uh, police, very militant police in uh, somewhere in Canada. I will go back and do some more research and get back to y'all on all this, but um, some militarized police coming in to, quote, disrupt the uh, protest and the occupation. So um, I don't know what that's about. I'm hoping that we're not taking a turn for the worse here and starting to get more confrontational on either side. I hope that this resolves and that we really do see fruit and that we can move forward. I'm very optimistic about that, but um, stay tuned, I suppose. And a couple of other things I want to point out is I think there was a story that came out gosh, maybe a month or two ago, and it's kind of recirculated because it's been fact-checked, but, and I really find it pretty profound that an insurance company, a life insurance company, reported that they paid out 40% higher payouts in life insurance claims in 2021 than they did in 2022, and they were non-COVID related deaths. And of course, again, this just only furthers the speculation of, well, what is what is killing these people if not for COVID? If we can't blame it on COVID, why all of a sudden would there be 40%? That's really, really quite an extreme number. And they would know because when they pay out these claims, these life insurance policies, they know exactly how you died. Obviously, it couldn't be suicide, couldn't be a number of other things, like there's terms and conditions and all those things. They're very, that is a kind of an, inter, an interesting metric because it has to be really specific. And it was fact-checked that basically, you know, we don't know why these people have died and it, it's not because of the vaccine or it's not because of this or that. And all that's true. We don't know why. We don't know why. But it remains a fact that... We're seeing higher, not just higher than average, but very high life insurance payouts for the, from this company in particular. And 
it's expanding to other companies as well, kind of coming forward and talking about this, that what is happening and the, the age brackets that we're seeing it in are not expected. Younger brackets, under, under 60, you know, what is happening in this, this younger uh, age bracket that would be causing this, right? I don't know. I guess we'll just have to continue to walk down that road, but keep an eye on that story. And then the other thing we need to keep an eye on is this HIV conversation. And again, this is probably something that you've not heard, but at the very beginning of COVID, we heard immediately, and again, it was so hard to sort out what is conspiracy theory and what was real at the beginning. But, you know, I've seen a meme a couple times now that the only difference between the truth and a conspiracy theory is about six months. (laughs) And it feels like that because the things that feel really conspiratorial, like surely I don't know if that's true or not, just give it six months and all of a sudden it'll be a mainstream headline and and anyone who was canceled or thrown off social media or blocked or fact-checked, all of a sudden they're, they're totally like that's actually true. You know, it used to be conspiracy if you talked about you can still get COVID if you have the jab. That was like you would be banned off Facebook for saying that. Now it's like, yep, that's true. You can still transmit COVID with the jab like that you'd be banned and kicked off and nope that's true now you know it's like we're we're all the things so back in 2020 right when this was all kind of getting going or I should say towards the end of 2020 there was lots of talk about elements of HIV being in the jabs and I didn't really understand what the mechanism of that would be or or why but we are seeing a bit of an immunocompromisation of some of the the vaccine recipients and there is like a little bit of an element of that but let me just read and again I get an email from oh gosh his name is Jeff Childers and he sends out a coffee and COVID email each day and it's really funny it's kind of sarcastic and I dig it and he sort he cites his sources and all that good stuff but he brought to my memory some headlines that we saw in 2020 so as an example from the New York Post on October 20th 2020 Some COVID-19 vaccines could increase risk of HIV, researchers warn. Hmm, that's interesting. October 20th, 2020, also from Nature. I don't know if that's a magazine or what. Researchers warn some COVID-19 vaccines could increase risk of HIV infection. This is from Forbes, October 20th. Some of the, I don't, something happened on October 20th, 2020, guys. Some of the COVID-19 vaccines currently in development could increase the risk of acquiring HIV, warned a group of researchers in the Lancet Medical Journal on Monday. Lancet is a big deal. Potentially leading to an increase in infections as vaccines are rolled out to vulnerable populations around the world. Again, that was Forbes, which is not a fringe resource, right? So these are some of the... Oh, let me go on. There's some more. Australia ends COVID-19 vaccine trials due to HIV antibody positives. This is the Hindustan Times on December 11th of 2020. Highly virulent HIV variant found circulating in Europe. Also from Nature, February of 2022. Oh, here, now we get into the regular ones here. New HIV cases higher in heterosexual people than gay men for the first time in a decade. Telegraph, UK, February 7th of 2022. So we're seeing all of a sudden this emergence again of this HIV conversation that emerged for a hot moment at the beginning of the rollout of this vaccine. Now, today we're also seeing, or not maybe not today, maybe it was yesterday, we're seeing uh, our Prince Henry, Her- Prince Henry, Prince Harry, 
telling us all, everyone, everyone, it is our duty to get HIV tested. Now, why, why would I, why would I feel like I had HIV? Like, why, why would I have HIV? You know, like, why would everybody need to go get an HIV test? And of course, now there is Moderna coming out with some potential vaccines for HIV. I mean, you can't make this up. It's just an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I don't know much about it other than what I just shared with you, but I think that's interesting. And I'm going to continue to keep my eyes on that. So last, before I leave, as I am here in Austin, Texas, with my health and wellness business, I am reading about our inflation. We hit, as you guys know, 7.5% inflation year over year, a 40-year high, the highest in my entire lifetime, our inflation climate. And this is what we're admitting. This is not necessarily what is true. Again, I said on a previous podcast that if we were using the same metrics to measure inflation today as we were in the 80s when, when it was almost as high as this, then we would be actually closer to a 15% inflation rate. But we're ch- we've changed the metrics so that it seems like it's not as bad as it is. But you tell me, how bad is it? How much is it affecting you? How much are you seeing it at the gas station? How much are you seeing it at the grocery store? Because I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it in a tremendous way. And I feel very, very grateful and blessed that my family can can weather this impact, but I know that a lot of families cannot. And so um, we're not seeing, I mean, the feds say that they're gonna raise interest rates in March, but again, this is an election year, 2022. So they don't typically do aggressive moves in election years because, you know, like they're paid by people that say, please don't mess things up for me. So I don't anticipate seeing them try to quell this very much. Now, remember, anything over 10% is considered hyperinflation. So our conversations about hyperinflation are getting a lot more prevalent and real because that may not mean that our currency collapses six months away. I don't know. Could be. Could be three months away. Could be two years away. I don't think it's never happening. I'm very confident that we will experience it in my lifetime. I'll even say that. In this decade, I'll even say that. Maybe even in this year, I'm not sure. But it does not seem that the feds are moving very quickly to quell this. So it's here to stay and it's probably getting worse because why would it slow down at this point? It's gone only up since it began. there's been no moves to stop it or slow it. So why would we expect that it's going to be any different? So my question for you is, what are you doing to change, to shift, to prepare for this to impact your home? Because if you're pulling the ostrich and just heading head in the sand and hoping and praying that it stops or slows down or moves back and you're cutting back and you're rebudgeting and all of those things are noble, But I wonder if it's maybe time to look at something else and look at alternatives and options of how you might make additional income. And again, please feel free to always email me, wendycunningham at protonmail.com. I would love to talk to you about how I do that. But this is no different than when I was starting my business 13 years ago. I recognized that inflation at that point was right around 3%. Again, this was in the bad economy of 2008, 2009. A lot of people were losing their homes. It was a strange economy then also. And I recognized inflation is about 3% year over year. I don't make even 2% more 
in raises and bonuses year over year. So each year that goes by, even in a non-inflationary climate, I am losing purchasing power each year because I my own raises are not keeping up with inflation. And we all have ceilings. We all get to a point in our careers where there is no more bonuses coming. You know, my mom worked for 15 years, gosh, at the same place, but 30 years in the same industry. And, you know, at the end of her career, she was really getting frustrated with the lack of, of raises and promotions that were available to her. And I'm like, mom, you, you don't just keep getting raises every year because you're not the lawyer. She was a paralegal. You know, you're not the lawyer. So you're, you're never going to make as much as they are. You're never even going to get close to that. So like there is a cap, there's a ceiling and so many jobs work that way. So I would encourage you to open your mind and heart to alternative options and recognize that this is not going away. And although you can cut back and, and rebudget and you know give up and not do this and not do that, that only is going to take you so far. We're talking about 7.5% that they're admitting currently. This is a massive impact. Be aware that there are, there are ways to make additional incomes. There are ways to move forward in this climate and get out in front of it. And there are lots of people who need it, who need a life a life raft in this time and in this season. So if it's not something like what I do, um, which I'm in network marketing, full disclosure, if it's not something like that, what could it be for you? Are you in a place in your job where you can get promotions, where you can get raises? Are you going to be able to stay out in front of this? Look at how much money you make year over year and how much more money you make year over year. If you're not going up 7.5% in the very, very least, then you're going to start to see more and more of that pinch and hurt. And it's going to um, only continue to widen that gap, right? The inflation is going to only go up faster than your ability to make an income. So be prepared for that. We talk about preparing on this podcast often, right? I've given you a number of ways to prepare for a number of different scenarios. This is nothing different. This is not any different than that. How are you preparing for this? How are you getting out in front of this? What are the action steps that you can take? Do you know if you don't, then talk to someone that you love and trust, or I'm happy to talk to you about options and what that can look like. So going to leave us on a positive note there. And there's a lot, there's always a lot going on. It's so crazy. It's just such an interesting time, but I've never felt more grateful to love Jesus and know that he is, you know, got this and his is in control and his plans are so good. And I've never been more grateful to be an American. I'm not ashamed to say it. I've never been more patriotic in my life. I'm just had no idea how good we had it. Had no idea how good we had it here. And even still have no, we, we, are, we still have it so much better. Even you Californians, you still have it so much better than so many places on the face of this earth. And this is worth fighting for. You know, conservatives, I'm, I hate to even say like Republicans, conservatives, their goal is to conserve conserve what is good, conserve the things that we love and the things that we value and the things that bring unity and the things that bring freedom and liberty, that we desire to conserve those things. And I hope you can agree with that. I hope you can align with at least that much that there are things worth conserving, which is to say that there are things worth fighting for. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Heavenly Father, we just continue to bless you, praise you, praise your name, Lord, and just remain in such gratitude 
that you are over this all, that Jesus is truly over everything and that nothing is surprising you. This is all a part of your plan and we're just so grateful that you are on the throne and all of it, all, all everything else falls under that, right? We just continue to pray for safety, for the Canadians and what's happening up there, Lord, and, and all across this great nation and globe in all of the resistance, Lord, to this tyranny. We just pray protection and safety and encouragement over people that are fighting the good fight, Lord. And again, always, always praying for scales to be removed from eyes and for people to be able to see what you see, what you are doing and who you are. In your son's name we pray. Amen.